Welcome to the HealthCast. I'm your host, Marley Smith, and today I have the privilege of sitting down and talking to an esteemed pediatrician, Dr. Nicoletta Hay. In today's episode, Dr. Hay unravels the mysteries of nourishing your little ones for optimal growth and development. Dr. Nicoletta Hay is a South African pediatrician who practices in Morningside Clinic, located in Johannesburg. She obtained her medical degree from the University of Witwatersrand, and to broaden her horizons, she decided to go work in the United Kingdom as well. However, her commitment to serving the healthcare needs of children in her home country led her back to South Africa, where she completed a fellowship in pediatrics. While she is a general pediatrician, her particular interest lies in neonatology, where she faces the challenges and rewards of caring for tiny, premature babies. Dr. Nicoletta Hay, welcome to the HealthCast. Thank you for having me. It's lovely to have you here today, Doctor. Dr. Hay, you practiced in the UK for a while before coming back to South Africa to further specialize in pediatrics. Could you tell us a little bit more about your experiences working abroad and what led you to this decision? So uh, like every young doctor and young person, I think that you're curious about how things are done everywhere else. And um, there's a good relationship between South Africa and the UK. So um, it was quite easy to find work there and um, to fit in. It's the same language, obviously, even if we don't use the same words all the time. And um, I, I worked in Tunbridge Wells and I worked a little bit in Norwich um, and it was a great experience. I absolutely loved it, but I realized that pediatrics was my calling. Uh, I find children um, don't, children are very clear. You know, often people tell us that uh, children aren't very clear, but I find them very clear. They're either sick or they're well. There's very little in between. Um, and I think uh, adults are a lot more complicated. <laughs> Definitely. Dr. Hay, jumping straight to our topic today, um, beyond your medical career, you are also a mother of two boys with a wealth of experience in this field. As a pediatrician, what are the top essential nutrients that every baby and toddler should have in their diets for optimal growth and development? So um, there's no three top nutrients. I think I would divide them into macronutrients and, and children need to take and energy from fats, carbohydrates, and proteins. And then there are micronutrients, which are your vitamins and minerals, okay, which they need um, as well. Um, so really, you need a very rounded, varied diet um, to keep up with everything. Now, we often hear about the benefits of breastfeeding, and we try to encourage it worldwide. What advice do you give to mothers that struggle with breastfeeding and need to explore formula options? So first of all, I think there's a lot of pressure on mothers. Um, uh, mothers that don't uh, breastfeed are made to feel quite guilty or as if they aren't doing the best for their children. And that's not really the case. I think that when the formulas came out, a lot of people uh, opted to use formula instead of breastfeeding because breastfeeding is quite difficult in the first couple of days. It's not the most natural thing in the world. It becomes easy, but it isn't really easy at the beginning. And then we needed this re-education campaign, especially in South Africa where mothers didn't have um, access to formulas. But the pendulum seems to have swung now that anyone who doesn't breastfeed their babies is made to feel bad about it. 
And luckily, we live in the 21st century. We have some very, very sophisticated formulas out there that are as humanized as we can make them. Um, and um, there's many of them on the market. Um, and, you know, the choice of which formula you use really depends on um, a lot of different things. How your baby is, how premature the baby is, whether there are any food allergies, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and your pediatrician would always guide you through that. But I think the main message is that, yes, we would like breastfeeding. But um, if you find yourself formula seeding, um, uh, it, there's very many sophisticated options to choose from. Absolutely. Dr. Hay, just bringing it together as well for our listeners, nutrition is vital. In your experience or what is your, your opinion on nutrition and the role it plays in supporting a child's immune system. So it's absolutely vital in supporting the child's immune system. A child has an immature immune system until they're around four to six years of age. So they're already um, relatively vulnerable. But if they are then compromised in terms of their nutrition, it just makes it a lot worse, especially if they are going to go to nursery and be exposed to a lot of different children that are ill. So it is absolutely important that a child gets a comprehensive diet. But I also find in my practice that mothers feel that their children should eat mushrooms and artichokes and all of this stuff. It, you can get a good nutrition from having a balanced diet. It doesn't necessarily have to include every esoteric food that you can think of. What is clear, though, is that the earlier you become adventurous, the better you, your child eats. So if you are careful from the age of a solid introduction at four to six months, generally around six months, and you are in that first six months of food introduction as adventurous as you can be in terms of texture and flavor and nutrition, your child will eat better in the second year of life. So I think that the whole crux of infant and child feeding is that beginning six months and to be as adventurous as you can be. Definitely touching on that, you mentioned, Dr. Hay, introducing solids can be nerve-wracking and exciting for parents. What are your expert recommendations to first-time parents or parents in general in starting this journey? So... The first thing to do is to start when the baby is happy, not hungry. Obviously, for the baby, this is a very new experience. And if he's, he or she is starving and you are trying to introduce something alien, that it's not going to go well. So start when the baby's happy, not hungry. The second thing is to remember that in the first six months, you've got your milk to fall back on. So don't obsess so much about how much the baby eats. Rather obsess more about textures and flavors and varieties so that the baby is learning because they've always got their milk to fall back on. It's the best time in, in your life, actually, in terms of feeding. The other thing is to remember that a baby needs to be exposed to food about 20 times before you can really say that they don't like something. So if they spit something out, don't force them or fight with them because that gives them a negative connotation. But certainly repeat that food every week for 12 weeks um, and see if you can persuade them that they, in fact, do like it. Now, toddlers can be picky eaters, as you mentioned, Dr. Hay. Are there practical strategies to implement 
to get past this? Absolutely. So food phobia, um, uh, fussiness is normal in every single child. Uh, and it starts from about 16 months, lasts until about five years. And every mother of children that age will know what I'm saying. They'll hate one thing the one week and love it the next. Or they'll go to your neighbor and eat what they ate, what they make where they never ate it at home. And so it's normal. So the main thing to remember is hunger. Hunger is a powerful motivator. And here in South Africa, we admit a lot of hungry children to our wards and they don't spend their lives saying, no, thanks, I don't eat this and I don't eat that. They really are hungry. And I think that affluent children often aren't given the chance to get hungry. So I would structure meals and uh, they, you know, depending on the age, they can have between five and seven meals a day. Um, but I would structure your meals and make it a pleasant environment and make it a, a, a balanced uh, quality meal and don't obsess about quantity. And if the child really doesn't want to eat after 20 minutes or 30 minutes, is spitting it out, trying to climb out of their chair, don't argue. Take him out, wipe his mouth and send him on his way with water. No juice, no milk that takes away uh, hunger. And when he comes back to you and he points to the biscuit cupboard, just say, no, my big guy, you didn't eat your lunch, wait for snack. And purposely don't feed him until the next meal. So that when the next meal comes, they are feeling hungry. Remember, of course, that I'm talking about healthy children. There are lots of other types of children that do need to be fed with more effort. But we are talking about the general healthy toddler that is just food fussy. And generally, if you allow them, uh, you remove stress around the meal and you offer them food five, seven times a day um, in a structured way, and you allow them to get hungry, I think that you'll find that a child probably eats enough. Definitely striking a balance, like you said, doctor, between being hungry is when they're going to eat best. Um, with, the, with the introduction of water as well, you mentioned having milk to fall back on for parents. How do you strike a balance between ensuring enough hydration and not that full feeling um, of them not wanting to eat because of it. So in my experience, um, uh, mothers are giving too much milk. So in the first six months, okay, between six and 12 months of a child's life, obviously they're on formula um, or breast milk, and they're allowed to have as much or as little formula as they like, um, depending on how well they eat. They, the important thing is that from a year of age, it is important to cut down your milk intake. And in fact, formula is generally not necessary after a year of age if the child has access to quality food. And then make sure that you are starting to limit uh, milk volumes to about half a liter maximum a day. And to understand that milk is not a food source anymore, it's a drink. So don't let him wake up in the night and have a big bottle of milk or wake up in the morning and have milk before breakfast. Um, rather give them breakfast first, then a little bit of milk before their morning sleeps. Um, so milk should always be your secondary uh, food after they've eaten. Don't give it instead of a meal. Don't give it if they don't eat their meal. Um, rather let them get hungry. Um, as far as water goes, um, every child will drink water. If they don't want water, they're actually not thirsty. So don't overthink that. Don't, don't give fruit juice as far as possible because fruit juice just um, takes away, it stimulates their satiety scent and takes away appetite. So then they're really not going to eat 
properly. Um, they should rather eat the fruit and drink the water rather than mixing the two. Dr. Hay, you did briefly touch on this and I'd like you to elaborate. Uh, food allergies are also a concern, especially when you start introducing solids. Um, are there practical ways to know when your child has experienced a food allergy? And is there safe ways to introduce more allergenic prone foods? So the main message there is that we've moved away from avoiding allergenic foods. In fact, it's clear that the earlier you introduce them, um, the less allergic you become. So with your child, okay, first of all, understand that there aren't that many allergenic foods. And um, I think people are more worried about it than is uh, actually true. And um, the incidence of allergies also isn't as high as people seem to think. Um, but when you are introducing an allergenic food, um, introduce it um, for three days in a row. Don't introduce too many foods on one day that are new. So if you're introducing your allergenic food, make sure that it's the only new food that that child gets on that day. And then um, try and do it three days in a row. And generally, if there's no reaction, the child has not vomited, the child has not um, um, you know, broken out in a rash, uh, the child has not started coughing, they, they generally are tolerating that food and then you can safely carry on. It is important to introduce all allergens in that first six months, not to try and avoid it at all costs. Very interesting stuff, Dr. Hay. I think in the past, it was always like you said, you rather avoided it. And now it's completely different. Um, balance, balancing busy schedules for parents is also tricky. Dr. Hay, what is your opinion on ready-made meals or meal packs that are available for little ones? So. And being a working mother myself, okay, it would be remiss of me to start pointing fingers at people who make, who buy ready-made meals. And, you know, in the old days, there were a very, there was very poor variety and those foods were very bland, very smooth. They didn't really teach children anything. So I think that these days there's a vast, a vastly improved uh, choice out there. And I think the main message there is that they do need to appeal to a wide variety of children. So they tend to be a little bit more bland, a little bit more smooth, and perhaps won't teach your child as much. Um, and for that reason, I would mix. So, so of course, use ready-made meals. But when you are able to make um, something a little bit more adventurous, like sardines or, or something, um, please do so. Um, try and be as adventurous as possible, but don't feel worried about using pre-prepared meals. Um, they do serve a good purpose. Absolutely. Dr. Hay, still on the topic of nourishing those little ones, just out of interest sake, for parents that do follow a more plant-based diet, how will they be able to ensure little ones are getting the adequate nutrition they need? So um, vegetarian children are a little bit more difficult to um, feed. I mean, especially in the first two years where um, they need um, protein intake and to eat, to get a lot of protein from um, vegetable sources, you have to eat bulk, which they tend not to do. So it does require quite a lot of planning. What I always suggest to vegetarian mothers is that they need to sit down and really be aware of what uh, nutrients the child is not likely to be getting easily from plant-based foods. 
things like vit uh, iron, things like vit uh, iron and amino acids. Um, not all of them are present in plant-based foods. So it's not um, impossible to bring up your child vegetarian, not at all. They can be extremely healthy. Uh, it just needs a little bit more thought about your meal planning and a little bit of extra um, care in what you plan to feed them. And I always suggest that one visit to a dietitian, um, if you are able to do that, is a good idea um, just to get an understanding of exactly what um, uh, your child is at risk of being deficient. Definitely, Dr. Hay. What advice do you have for parents who are then concerned about their child's growth and development, especially when it comes to weight? Because they, they need to, to obviously comply with certain weight um, standards for each age group. So, so the first thing is that in affluent societies, I find that um, mothers are too worried about children's weight. In fact, we have a few too many pork chops running around, I think. <laughs> um, so, you know, normal weight actually has a wide variation for each um, for each um, age um, uh, group. So, you know, it's not an isolated reading and you have to take into account the child's structure, the child's height. And, and in my experience, mothers that are worried about their children's weight, often when you plot them on the growth charts, aren't underweight at all. Um, so the first thing is to check in with your regular doctor or pediatrician um, so that they can plot your child on the growth charts and show you how they're doing. So what's more important is trends. So if your child is trending downwards, um, that would be bad. If your child is markedly underweight relative to height, that would be bad and would need um, special input. Um, and certainly your healthcare providers will be able to, first of all, um, uh, decide why that's happening and be, um, uh, you know, advise you on the best way forward. Definitely. And especially what parents, I think, uh, tend to forget is as soon as those little ones start moving, I mean, walking, um, they, they also drop in weight. Absolutely. The, the, the thing, though, to remember is that there's no such thing as anorexia, voluntary anorexia in mm. children. If you offer them um, five meals a day, um, comprehensive, a comprehensive diet, um, you don't destroy their appetites with fruit juice or um, ab, you know, un, unhealthy snacks, they will tend to eat as much as they need to eat. If it was so difficult, we would have died out as a human race. Um, it really is um, uh, a lot. Children can modify their food and nutrient intake relatively well. Definitely. To listen to those hunger cues, as you mentioned, um, Dr. Hay, we often hear about the importance as well of family meals. Um, in your opinion, is it important to, to have this kind of setting to develop a healthy relationship with food for little ones? So that is absolutely vital. So um, children take their cues from their parents. And if they don't sit down seeing their parents eating a healthy meal, uh, eating together, they're not going to learn. Um, you know, they, it, it's about um, uh, subtle cues. And if a child is exposed to different foods, you know, if you put a, a different food on his plate, even if he doesn't eat it, but over time he gets used to it, they will get more adventurous. If they see their parents enjoying food, eating appropriately, and um, uh, enjoying mealtime, so enjoying it as a family event, and uh, it, it gives a nice 
happy connotation to the whole experience. You know, it gives your child a healthy relationship with food. So unfortunately, it is important that you do set an example by sitting down with your child and trying to eat the same foods and showing some pleasure in it um, and making meal times uh, not stressful. Absolutely. Dr. Hay, moving over to one of your particular interests, neonatology, or your special interest, what are some of the unique challenges you face in caring for these tiny premature babies? And how do you address their nutritional needs? So they are difficult, um, yeah. um, mainly because at birth, um, we can't feed them properly. Their bowels are too immature. So depending on how premature they are, we can't start feeding them straight away. And they, we often have to rely on intravenous nutrition, um, which many times is not um, completely perfect. I mean, you are supposed to eat um, and absorb nutrients through your gut for many reasons. So um, they're difficult to feed at the beginning. You have to increase their food very slowly. Often mothers are stressed about the whole experience. So their milk um, coming in takes a lot longer. They have to express, which really doesn't do it for them or like a baby would. Um, and it's very difficult. Um, it's a very difficult scenario. We do have breast milk banks. You have them in the UK as well, where mothers who have established breast uh, milk can donate breast milk to these banks. The milk is then pasteurized and stored, and it's a very vital uh, service to the community. So I encourage all mothers with extra milk to perhaps look into don donating their milks. But um, we do use donor milk. It's not as perfect as a mother's initial milk, but it's our best option. And then if we're forced to, we do give formula to premature babies, but it has a lot more issues than you imagine. So it's kind of really our third choice. Um, and obviously in the background, this intravenous food as they learn to eat. They also um, at risk for becoming deficient um, of a lot of vitamins and micronutrients like vitamin D and and um, so we, you have to keep an eye on that. You have to fortify milk. So even if they do get mother's milk, we have to fortify it so that they get more energy and nutrients at, um, through it. So um, it's quite complicated, um, but uh, it's very rewarding when they do learn to eat properly in the end. Just reminding our listeners as well that that is a completely different ball game. Um, and like you said, there is a team of healthcare professionals that look after these little ones, this specialized field. Dr. Hay, do you have any final thoughts for our listeners regarding nutrition for little ones and the introduction of solids? So I think a, a nice, simple way, you know, the other thing about starting solids and feeding children is that there's a lot of information out there and people can make it sound a lot more complicated than it actually is. What I always say to my mothers is divide your, your meal roughly into 20% high value protein, which is usually animal protein, 40% carbohydrate and 40% vegetables roughly. And um, you can mix it up, a spoon of protein, two spoons of carbs, two spoons of vegetables, and then feed that to your baby and don't obsess so much about whether the child eats one spoon or five spoons of that mixture. Rather worry that within that food, you've kind of given them enough proportionate eating quality food and don't fight with them. 
rather play with them, but be very militant about repeating your foods if they don't like it. And they are more likely to accept more food in the first six months than they will in the second. And the more adventurous you are in the first six months, the better they eat in the second. So be as adventurous as you can. Chuck texture, flavor, and variety at them. And remember to flavor your food. Rosemary, garlic, basil, ginger. Don't avoid um, uh, flavors. The only thing we'd avoid is, for instance, salt or stock or sugar or honey, because those are bad. And obviously sushi, no raw egg or, or raw fish. And, but the rest, make your food flavorsome, make it textured and play with them, but repeat and repeat and repeat and only decide that your child really doesn't eat something if after 12 exposures, maybe they really still spit it out. They are allowed likes and dislikes. Dr. Hay, then my interesting question for you today is what inspired you to pursue a career in medicine and then later specialize in, in pediatrics? Um, I think that I have a very rewarding job and I'm never bored. Um, I think it's one of those jobs that I can never say that I wake up in the morning feeling bored. I may wake up feeling tired, um, but not bored. And I think that that is what I um, enjoy about this job. Um, it's also very rewarding to help people and um, to see a child thrive and grow and develop. Um, it's very rewarding. Um, so pediatrics for me was um, a, a great specialty. I think it is where I belong. Coming to the end of our discussion, Dr. Hay, you, like I mentioned, you are a mom of two boys. How would you say being a mother has influenced your, or how has your personal experiences influenced your approach to caring for little ones? I think that's the, the best thing my boys taught me was not to be judgmental of how other mothers are doing things. <laughs> and if your child is having a tantrum in the queue at Woolworths, okay, it's, it's not because they uh, just don't know how to handle their children. It's happened to me many times. Um, if your child, everything you plan with children, everything that you think you're going to do gets thrown out the window. Um, your child really teaches you more than you teach them. And I think that that's uh, the best thing that my boys taught me is that, is that um, it's not so clear. It's not so easy. Um, it's not so simple. Um, there's lots of different things that in, uh, um, impact on how you bring up your children. But that most of us are doing a good enough job. Um, we not may not be doing everything perfectly, but I don't know anyone who's like that. I think that most of us are doing a good enough job and, um, and your children will be happy. Absolutely. Dr. Hay, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me today. Pleasure. Thank you for inviting me onto your show. That wraps up today's episode with Dr. Nicoletta Hay regarding nourishing your little ones for optimal growth and development. This podcast is powered by GlobeMed UK, giving you access to the best doctors, treatments and medical specialists worldwide.